Hello and welcome to the Native and the Transplant. I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. Jen, how are you? Um. <laughs> I know you had some exciting, uh, fun times today. Yeah, it was a, today was cool. How is it being a parent of teenagers? <laughs> your expression tells me everything I need <laughs> to know. so cool. <laughs> being a parent of teenagers is like lighting yourself on fire, getting on a bike, and riding uphill. And the bike is also on fire. Everything's on fire. Everything's on fire. And then they hug you and say, I love you, Mom. And you're like, mm. This is fine. Yeah, this is fine. This is fine. It's like, it's like that dog <laughs> on fire at the table, right? Oh, yes. Uh, Everything burning down around you. You're like, ah, this is fine. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm fine. This is fine. It, it, by nature, <laughs> I have pretty good kids, but sometimes they throw a little wrench in my plans. Uh, how about you? I'm doing how are you doing? Good. Yeah. I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. So before we get started, we do have a sponsor for this episode, and our sponsor is Satori Tattoo. So if you are, just have that itch for a new tattoo or a new piercing, definitely go down and see Chris and Kim at Satori Tattoo. They are in Loveland, right off of 4th Street, 116 East 4th Street in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, you can reach out to them on Facebook Messenger or reach out to them on their phone at 970-278-278. Five eight eight zero. Again, 970 So I got to tell you, um, is near and dear to my heart. I've had a couple tattoos done there. I have so many friends that have had tattoos done there yeah. and they do fantastic work. The, the studio itself is clean. They're super nice in there. I, they have tons of local artwork all over the walls. And then, um, Chris and Kim actually support a lot of our local businesses downtown. If you talk to most of the business owners down there, they know who the Hummels are. Yeah. They're amazing people. That's awesome. I even got my own tattoo from them. You did? So, yeah. Was, what did you get again? Oh, I, I got the Millennium Falcon. I'm oh. kind of a Star Wars nerd, so yes, yesterday was, uh, may the 4th be with you. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> but today is Revenge of the 5th. It is. Yeah, maybe that's uh, that's why my day's so great. So. Yeah. <laughs> Heck you, Sith. It's always good. I know. So, and speaking of the 4th, Tuesday... Loveland City Council. Oh, yeah. That's a fun one. That is <laughs> Let's a dive fun right one. in. All right. Let's get there. Okay. So I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole meeting, uh, but it's my understanding that it was multiple hours. I think it was five hours long. Yeah. Um, really? Okay. It, this is speaking. So I guess for them, that's kind of a short one. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Uh, this is, I think, a pretty big issue. We have so much infighting going on in our city council. And we have all of this chaos going on with the police case that is, you know, with Karen, oh, yeah, with Karen Garner. About yeah. last week, yeah. Yep, the one we spoke about last week. And we can't even decide on whether or not to form a council. Uh, oh, an advisory committee. An advisory <laughs> committee. So the Community Trust Commission? Yes, where in theory that's a, a great idea, but it seems like the fallout that came from that is who's going to decide who's sitting on it. Um, what do you have to do as far as the applications, as far as how to even apply and be able to sit on that, that council and what power does that council actually have? Yeah. What, what powers would they even be granted if you will? So I have a question for you. Okay. Shoot. How do you think the members of that commission should be chosen? That's a good question. Um, it's a loaded one. <laughs> very much so. So if it's a advisory commission for the counselors, I think you, you have really the, the council split 
as far as even though it's supposed to be a uh, nonpartisan, nonpartisan, <laughs> unbiased position, uh, it's definitely the council in Loveland is split, basically four four. So at that point in time, make a smaller amount, do so you can still have the rule of four. You have two from one side of the aisle, two from the other side of the aisle, and then they go and review the applications <coughs> and pick out who they want. Okay. I have another little question for you. <laughs> do you think that people's social media presence should have anything to do with whether or not they're added to the commission? That is a loaded question as well. And I look at it from a standpoint of having an understanding. If you're hiring somebody to advise you, you're hiring a, a life coach, you're hiring a, a fitness instructor, you're hiring something to do a position. At that point in time, you want to know their history. Yeah. You want to have an understanding that whatever you're going to be paying for, whatever this, um, the advice that you're going to be receiving from this is going to benefit you. If you know automatically, let me finish. Yeah, if I'm poised. You, if you know automatically that they are going to work against you and not be able to actually have a civil discussion, this is where it becomes a hot topic. Um, there was a, a company, I think in Idaho, it, they, they were on the news over the last couple of days um, because they came out and said they, they weren't going to, quote, unquote, bow to the woke mob. Okay. They weren't going to do any pol any discuss anything with politics anymore. It was a, a tech company. And immediately after they came out, the CEO came out and said, we're not, we're not getting into political debate anymore. We aren't talking about politics anymore. We're done. We're just going to do our job and keep moving forward as a company. And so with that, a third of the employees left. A third, a, of third. The, a third of the employees left. Wow. And so at that point in time, you have to look at it and say, you know, the CEO, the higher-ups within that company are probably like, great, we don't have to pay unemployment, we don't have to deal with any lawsuits, we don't have to worry about it. And so you can have, and this happens an awful lot, where you have one person that can disrupt the entire point and purpose of an advisory committee. So should we look into social media? Possibly, but at that point in time, it needs to be, it, it needs to be with a grain of salt yeah. and an understanding that, okay, we're going to look back at this. If you have somebody that is just being a, an internet troll, mm -hmm. do you really want them on a council? <clears throat> no. Or do you want them on, a, on an advisory committee? No. No, because all they're going to do is troll it and you don't get any benefit. However, if they use it to specifically point out and to discredit or to remove applicants because they may be on the other side of the aisle than you, that can't happen. So how are we going to prevent that then? <laughs> I mean, sorry about the loaded questions today, Alex. I, uh, <laughs> no worries. Uh, how are you going to prevent that? Yeah, how do you it's, prevent that? And that's where you have to have people from both sides of the aisle that are making the decision. Yeah. So that's where you have to – and. We have to do what nobody in our elected positions are doing right now and actually have a conversation, actually say, hey, you know, I don't necessarily agree with this person, but everything that they post, even even the things that I disagree with, are well-researched. Yeah, they're they well-researched. Are they true? Are they respectful? Correct. And if, they're, if somebody is vehemently opposed to my ideas or my position, but they research everything, and I can see that, and they aren't just being an internet troll – 
perfect. Have them on council. Have them on that advisory committee due to the fact that they will bring truth. They'll bring research. And when you have the the discussion and the conversation with them, at that point in time, you're able to to actually have a fact-based conversation. And it's not just, oh, I don't like this and, oh, I don't like that. Correct. I don't know. Your thoughts? Um, I agree with you in most areas. Uh, What I do want to ask you about, though. Okay. You said something earlier about (laughs) (laughs) – you knew it was coming. Uh, You said something earlier about benefiting the people on the city council. I guess refresh my memory on that one. Okay. You were talking about, you know, if we pick these people and it clearly – you pick somebody that's going to be on this commission that benefits you – as a city council member, how are we going to prevent that from occurring? That's where you have to – it needs to be four members. Yeah. And they need to check each other. And so that's – this is where so much of 2020 and so much of where we're at in the society is the fact that we don't trust each other. We, we expect that if you don't agree with me, then that means you're against me. Yep. Not just – I disagree with this aspect and being able to have the civil conversation that needs to take place. It's you're either with me or against me. And so that's where, frankly, they need to be adults and say, Hey, yeah, I may not agree fully with this person, but it looks like everything that they're saying is fact-based. Well, so that I guess I would actually put a call out to the city council and ask them to check their biases, to check their partisanship, to ask the questions of would this person be able to objectively look at a situation like the Karen Garner case and make a decision that an abuse did occur and that the public needs to be made aware of it. And here's what we're doing. Yeah. And I would say, you know, when we were talking right before we started the show up here, I was talking about the idea that just because you may not always believe in what the police do doesn't mean you're anti-police. Yeah. Yeah. Being being against the abuses of the police force is not anti-police. Correct. It's against being against the abuses. And I think it's really important to draw that very clear line because there are a lot of people, especially on social media right now. Um, no, it's, all, it's based in emotion. It's it not is. based in fact. And <clears throat> whenever you're dealing with something that is emotional, it's like right now with putting in this advisory committee, this is something that should have happened quite a while ago. And sometimes it these things don't happen until there's an emotional drive to actually push it forward. But the problem with that is then everyone's heightened emotion and they are, are basing decisions off of their emotion instead of based off of fact. Absolutely. This should have been done nine months ago yeah. when our police chief was made aware of the situation with Karen Garner. Yeah, and I don't want to rehash. All no, of that. we don't need to. We don't need to. <laughs> I I don't either. Uh, but no, I would I would tend to agree. So I guess I don't really know what the solution with the city council is right now. But I think that they need to start really paying attention. Their constituents, we're embarrassed. This is ridiculous. No, come on. You were elected to a position. You are an adult. Act like one. No. And I I wouldn't. I'm not going to call out anybody specific because I feel like that's kind of a dangerous road to go down. But Looking at all of it, there, you know, it's it's a situation where everyone's at fault. Absolutely, you know, and there needs to be levity of the situation um, that just hasn't happened at all. No, I would agree. So, and it's not just I was going to say it's not just 
of Loveland City Council. No. You know, you've got Fort Collins with their new mayor and their new city council. They're definitely going to be having some some new issues that are arising, um, even here in Berthet. So Berthet City Council, there's an awful lot of pushback um, on a couple of issues, especially even surrounding the sheriff's department with their handling of the protests oh. uh, last year. Yeah. Um, you know, even <laughs> we, we seem to always <coughs> be talking about cops. Uh, but there was uh, sh- so Sheriff Anderson, who's kind of I believe he's the the head sheriff in Berthoud, and he does coffee with the cops. Okay. And he put out a post saying, "Hey, we're having upcoming coffee with the cops." Nothing in the post was offensive, with the exception of the picture. So he had posted a picture of a cup of coffee, his badge, and his gun. Okay. So. I didn't have any issue with the picture. It's one of those that I, ha- I have a lot of cop friends. I have a lot of friends that are into guns. They take yeah. pictures of their guns. There's some, it's something that they're proud of. But having a sheriff post that picture onto social media, it he was lacking the room. He it's was lacking the understanding of the overall environment that we're in right now. And it was in poor taste. As soon as it came out, he apologized as soon as it started blowing up and people started taking offense to it. He said, no, I shouldn't have ever put that post out there. I shouldn't have ever put that picture out there. And the problem with with Berthoud, with the Board of Trustees, is they immediately went emotional. Oh, okay. So now they're having some infighting within that. So it's it's not just – I know we talk an awful lot about Loveland, but it's not just Loveland. It's happening We're in Berthoud as well. Yeah. Everywhere. Well, and I know that I know that Windsor was having some of the issues with their their oh, city manager. Yep. Um, Fort Collins is really a, watch Fort Collins really closely because there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out of there with all these new elected officials. And uh, I've said it before, and I'm not even sure that that episode aired uh, due to our sound pro- problems. But the reality of it is, is this new mayor was given $150,000. Is that the right number? I think it was closer to 164000 after everything was all said and done. Yeah, $164,000 towards her campaign in a relatively smaller area. Yeah. And it was basically so, and, and the committee that gave her that money is driven towards having a female Democrat in office. Now, I don't have a problem with that. Oh, yeah, female progressive Democrat. No. I don't have a problem with that. If that's who the voters want. But to me, one hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars. It was a bot election. Yeah, it was bot. So, and that's one of the issues that we have with all of our elections as of this day and age, is the amount of money that goes into elections. The fact that how many billions of dollars were spent on campaigns mm-hmm. in twenty twenty as we're going through a, as, as we're going through a pandemic, as over thirty million people have been laid off, forty million people have been yeah. laid off, small businesses closing, and yet billions were spent on campaigns. Billions. Billions. Yeah. At that point in time, it makes you stop, wonder, scratch your head a little bit and say, is there a better way? Well, and the reality of it is, Alex, the the thing that happens now is people are buying elections. There's more money going around than we have any idea. We have lobbyists coming in and pushing their own agendas. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the things where you had the Biden administration uh, come out, uh, I believe, late last week. And said that he wants to ban all menthol cigarettes and menthol cigars. Mm-hmm. And so now it's going over to the FDA. And the whole thing is uh, camp- is the campaign for tobacco-free kids. And Loveland 
just dealt with them with the vaping ban, yep. the flavored vaping ban, and the uh, the banning of menthols. Sure did. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the first thing is, is this. I've talked about it before. I think that banning those things in Loveland is a very bad idea because we're going to lose the money from those businesses. We're shutting down small businesses. We have had enough small businesses in the last year shut down because of the pandemic, and now we're going to make it even more difficult for businesses to come into the city. So we want to have all these businesses come in. We want high-dollar paying positions, all of that. You're going to start shutting things down. That's my first thing. My second thing is the – so it's the – what is the what is the group? It's a Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. First of all, kids are going to get a hold of whatever they want to. <laughs> I assure you, they're going to get it. I think I was 15 years old, and my mom, my mom quoted some article she'd read about um, kids can get a hold of drugs, guns, tobacco, and alcohol within four hours. And I was like, well, what do you need? <laughs> she didn't like that answer. Uh, she didn't like that answer. No. And I was a pretty good kid, to be honest with you. But um, the reality of it is our kids are basically their own little private black market. They're their own private black market. If they want to get a hold of it, they're going to get a hold of it. And at some point, we have to take responsibility and say that either we're providing it for them, which is really stupid, by the way, or we're not paying enough attention. Yeah, that's that's more along the lines of what I look at. And I'm sick and tired of every campaign for everything being, but it's just for the kids. It's to save the kids. Back when they banned um, smoking in bars. Yeah. So I hate, I hated going into a smoke-filled bar. Yeah, you come out smelling like an ashtray. Exactly. Whether or not you smoke. But at that point in time, leave it up to the bar owner. And even when uh, – so City of Fort Collins, when they banned smoking on patios. Yeah. The campaign for it was to save the kids, to protect the kids. Okay. Why are your kids – outside at a bar at 10 o'clock when they aren't allowed to be in the bar. This is the exact same yeah. thing. The campaign for tobacco-free kids. At what point in time are parents going to take responsibility? And at what point in time are we as a society going to tell parents you need to take responsibility for your actions? Well, here's the deal. You actually hit the nail on the head earlier. The thing about it is, is that they evoke an emotional response from you so that you will vote for something that benefits them financially. Oh, absolutely. Not the big tobacco, because big tobacco is never going to have a good picture, and I'm not saying they should. What I'm saying is you have these committees and these lobbyists that come in, and it's a pretty penny in their pocket to push this stuff. That goes – and, and I, I hate to sound conspiracy theory-based here, but the thing about it is is that we are being run by financial gain for other people. No. This is just like when we had the – um marijuana legalization of marijuana here in Colorado and believe it or not I was I was actually against legalizing it uh not because I care what you do in your own home and I don't care if you want to get high all day that's not my business I don't care what I do care about is the government's right to tax it (laughs) because here's the thing schools are federally funded it is not legal federally Therefore, if the school takes federal or it takes the money from the pot, they don't get federal funding. 
So I think they've made some exceptions or there's something to that because I know that some of the money has been able to, to go to um, schools. I know there is some, I believe it was Sarah Milner that got a new roof or something, but we haven't seen a whole lot of the money. Then they, in the sure. first quarter of the very first year that it was legalized, mm-hmm. it was $135 million in taxes in the first quarter. I remember that number because I was so shocked. <laughs> I was so shocked. I was like, wow, this is amazing. We're going to be able to put all of this money into parks and into, into the schools and we can, and then they weren't even allowing them to keep proceeds from these marijuana shops in federal banks. Oh yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous. You're seeing, you're seeing, well, you passed the law. You said we should legalize it. We're going to make it as hard as possible for you to be successful doing that because we don't believe that it should happen. Well, and that goes back to the war on drugs. You know, how much money have we spent on the war on drugs from a federal level? And you look at it, and as far as, I know there's people that are going to disagree with me. Frankly, marijuana, I take CBD. So I have psoriatic arthritis, and it's one of the things that helps me so that way I can move. And I appreciate having some of the CBD options that I do, and even locally here. There's people that have small businesses that, that grow and we're able to utilize it. And to, this is another part of the government overreach and invading your personal life. The same thing with with the tobacco, um, yeah. with the campaign for tobacco-free kids. I look at that and I go, okay, why isn't why aren't the parents being held responsible? And people are going to get it whether you want them to or not. Heroin's illegal. Coke's illegal. Meth is illegal. Yet still we have, getting it. We still have a major meth issue up in Fort Collins in northern Colorado. Huge meth issue. So, Huge. And it's gotten worse this year. Yeah. It's and so that's where year. we have to look at it and go, okay, at what point in time are people making laws for the sake of making laws, and are they getting kickbacks? Are, and what is, what is occurring behind the curtain? Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, you have to really ask the question of, does the government really need to have their hand in this? Do they really need to have their hand in this? And this is, it's like prohibition. Yeah. Alcohol in high amounts is not good for you. It's going to cause very <laughs> serious issues. So to go off on a little tangent, one of my favorite things as far as, you know, if you're scrolling through history is uh, when prohibition was in, a, in effect, they used to sell uh, great bricks. Oh, yeah. And they had a warning <laughs> label on there that specifically outlined exactly what not to do to turn it into wine. Do not put it in a gallon jug. Do not put it in a cold, damp place for 21 days. Otherwise, it will ferment and you will have wine. Literally on the label told you exactly how to turn this brick into wine. Yeah. Fantastic. People are going to find a way. (laughs) This is just like our kids getting a hold of tobacco products. I certainly don't want kids to have that as as a a noose around their neck because it's a terrible habit. (laughs) The thing is... People consume nicotine products. Yeah. They consume alcohol. They consume drugs. They're going to find a way. But the other aspect of it that not a lot of people talk about is who? what is the demographics yeah. that s- typically smoke, especially cigarettes? Blue collar, lower income. Yep. So everybody that's talking about, no, we aren't raising taxes, we aren't doing any of this stuff on lower income, anytime that there's a tobacco tax increase – that's exactly who you're raising it on. Well, of course it is because and that's who you that you're going to bleed them dry. And if you have somebody, you know, 
again, I don't condone smoking. I enjoy cigars from time to time. It's my body. I can do what I want. I enjoy the conversations that I have over a cigar. Yeah. And But you look at this, and especially if you have a younger person working two jobs, and their relief or their release is a couple of drags on a cigarette, who am I to fault them? And I, I'll tell you this. It, I don't pay their bills. I don't have to answer to their health. I'm not saying that, right. I mean, it's, it, that's, there's kind of a fine line there, Alex. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And it, again, we're, we're talking about semantics at this point. It's true. Um, but, you know, if you dive into it and it's all, everybody's always worried about health, why does McDonald's still exist? Well, this is, yeah. This is where, as soon as you start going down this, ro- this road, it, everything builds upon itself. It's and all money trails, Alex. It's all money trails. It's it, the government wants to be able to tax higher so that they can get people to quit smoking. Well, yeah, some people are probably going to quit smoking, and some people are going to start smoking. That's the reality of it. No. Somebody's not going to make a decision based on whether or not they're smoking a hundred percent based on the cost. I, I just remember back in history uh, <laughs> when doctors used to recommend certain brands of cigarettes, <laughs> where if you had asthma, or you had anxiety oh, recommend man. you smoke yeah. and now you have everything that's flipped on that where you can't well there's plenty of things that are bad for us if you choose to eat high fat meats if you choose to drink in excess if you choose to do drugs if you choose to smoke if you choose to overeat anything anything that's no. obviously going to cause detriment to your health, but we don't. None of us get out of here alive. <laughs> so there's a, uh, a group on Facebook that I, I always chuckle. I follow them. Um, they they go through um, how it's uh, deadly dosage. Oh, okay. And they figure out how much of a certain product you have to have in order to kill you. Well, one that I saw today was that you need uh, 203.8 12 ounce glasses of Mountain Dew Baja Blast in order to kill you. How do they? <laughs> I don't know how they figure okay. it out, but it's it's Ugh. fascinating. It's hysterical. Yeah, that, that we should ban that. <laughs> oh, God, Mountain Dew. No offense, anybody, but <laughs> What, you didn't go to Taco Bell, grab a Crunchwrap and a Baja Blast? Pepsi. <laughs> Baja Blast. <laughs> well, you know, Alex, though, I'll tell you something um, to foray us into our next topic, actually. A lot of you just spoke about if it's somebody's release to go out and have a cigarette or have a beer or whatever it is. I don't have any right to judge that. But one thing I do want to bring up is the sad state of mental health yeah. in our country currently. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that Larimer County, so they uh, approved the mental health facility that broke ground and they are working on. And so we will have the new mental health facility. And then I know that there was another substance abuse facility that just came in back in February in the Loveland. And when you're dealing with mental health, especially after the pandemic and especially after, I mean, shoot, we're possibly in the last 30 days of the mask mandates and the health code restrictions that are coming down from the state. And so seeing what's coming out of it, we're now having to deal with all of the repercussions of all of the actions that were taken over the last year. Yeah. The effect on our kids, suicide rates that have increased, substance abuse rates that have increased. Mm -hmm. 
So, incidentally enough, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Northern Colorado actually has one of the largest or the highest suicide rates in the nation. We don't really know why. And I was not aware of that. We in the nation, uh, there are so many suicide attempts and successful suicides in this area. We there's a lot of things about Northern Colorado. You know, we love living here, but there's a lot of things that happen here that we don't actually have a causation for. That's one of them. Another one is high levels of um, inflammatory diseases, MS. No. Uh, as a matter of fact, Colorado is like the number one diagnosed area for MS in the country. Hmm. We don't really know why, but the suicide rate is very concerning. Very concerning, and yep. it's a lot of young kids. Yeah, and looking at not only that, but then everything else that has played into it. So it's fascinating seeing divorce rates right now, mm-hmm. where for the first time, divorce rates over the age of 45 have gone through the roof. Oh, yeah. And so it's the boomers that are getting divorces right now. And it's not the young people. So it's, I don't know if they finally had to spend a year together inside <laughs> or what, what has caused that to happen. But you look at overall mental health as it's an issue that nobody actually wants to talk about. You know, it's a taboo subject. People don't like to talk about your family member or your loved one that has a mental illness because you don't want to embarrass them or to bring that to light because it's a very personal subject. I I'd go a little bit different track on that. I think a lot of it is the fact that people don't understand it. It's not, if you see somebody that is paraplegic and is in a wheelchair, it's easy. It's easy to see what, what the disorder is. It's easy to see why they're in a wheelchair. It's easy to see and quote unquote, understand the situation. Correct. When you're dealing with mental health issues, you can't see it. Right. And people don't want you to see it. And so it's, everything is mass. And, and at that point in time, you know, you go to Robin Williams, Mm -hmm. you know, not very many celebrity deaths get me. Robin Williams, that one got me. That one hurt my feelings. Yeah. uh, So you see people that you would never imagine, Mm -hmm. never imagine pull the trigger. Said Kate Spade, Robin Williams, Chris Cornell, um, I mean, just just to name a few in the last couple of years that we've lost to suicide um, and undiagnosed mental health issues, depression. I lost three friends last year to suicide. Yeah. And so it's something that needs to be talked about and needs to be less taboo, which I believe that we're getting closer. I think so. Um, So in the last five years, what I've seen just from my perspective is a shift of if you have anxiety, if you have depression, it's not just get over it, feel better kind of thing. Cause that's not, that's not a possibility for somebody that suffers from mental, mental health issues, whether it's, you know, anxiety all the way up to bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, those things, it, you can't just get over it. You have to do some pretty intensive therapy. Sometimes that includes medications. Nobody, we don't have a clue what medication is actually going to work for somebody. If you start a medication and it works great with your chemistry, awesome. Typically, people with mental health disorders go through multiple medications before they finally find something that works for them, or they give up and they stop taking those medications, or they lose uh, their financial ability to pay for those. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, there are some medications that cost upwards of twenty five hundred dollars a month for thirty pills. Jeez, and it's something that's going to stabilize you. 
and make you be able to be at your optimal level of function, right? Yeah. $2,500, that's ridiculous. Any medication being that high is ridiculous. Yeah. But when these are medications that, okay, you'll see a lot of poor people and a lot of people who have serious instability financially that are unable to pay for medications that they need in order to be able to be a functional member of society and they cannot afford that. So they have to make the decision. Do I stop taking this medication or do I pay this huge amount out of pocket? A lot of times the families take that burden on because they understand that they need to pay for those medications. Um, or even at that point in time, one of the things that you didn't bring up is self-medicating. Oh yeah. Big time. And dealing with the fact of, okay, I can't afford $2,500 in medication and I don't feel all right myself. So I'm going to grab that bottle of whiskey or, or methamphetamines, whether it be meth, whether it weed. be weed and self-medicate. Well, and the really scary thing about that is, is that, you know, mental health medications, even if, so if you have a medication that you're on and you're able to afford it, if it's not working, or it's not working well enough for you to feel better, that's when people turn to that self-medicating yeah. cycle as well because they just want to feel normal. And then you have the interaction as well. Yeah. If they're self-medicating. Yeah. Um, one, I want to dive into this and because you're female, I'm male. How do you see the difference and the stigma of asking for help and getting mental health in particular, going to therapy, being willing to talk to a counselor, from a female's perspective, what does that look like? It, and do you feel that you're more apt to ask for that help? Well, I don't. I may be a little different than you would be expecting. And the reason I say that is because I have spent a lot of my career in mental health care, uh, five years. And I'd like your perspective on that as well, yeah. from what you've seen. And do you see it? see more of male versus female, female versus male. What does that actually look like? You know, to be honest with you, I never really, I really hadn't ever thought about the difference between male and female seeking help. But what I can tell you is, and, and this is a, a terrible conversation to have, but a lot of times when somebody commits suicide, males tend to do it in a much more violent manner. Whereas women tend to lean towards the less violent manner. Um, guys are pulling the trigger. Girls are taking, taking the pills. Pills. Yeah. No. Um, which is a really horrible thing. I, I, I hate that, that there's a difference there. But That's why we have to have these conversations. It's true. And, you know, these things can't be in the dark. It can't be in the dark. Because not talking about them makes it even more taboo. And then it actually decreases the amount of people that seek help. So I can tell you from my perspective as a female, um, I have had some bouts of depression, you know, they're, they're really sort of scenario based. If something happens, I have some depression, but I don't have a clinical depression as far as like, because clinical depression is totally different. Can you walk us through that real quick? Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that just, they don't have an understanding. And so, as soon as you try to go down the rabbit hole, you're on so many different tracks that you don't know what to believe or anything of that sort. Yeah. So situational depression is feeling, and it's a still a very deep emotion that doesn't make it any less worse than suffering from clinical depression, except that clinical depression does not go away. Good events, bad events, those things, it does not go away. Typically that's very chemically based in your brain. 
and I mean, usually it's chemically braced, you know, based in your brain where the situational is something that you can get therapy and maybe do a little medication for a little while or, you know, exercise, diet, all of that stuff to kind of help you pull out of that. And that's something you can walk away from. Maybe you have about or two in your life, but it's something you can walk away from. Clinical depression, unfortunately, is a very chronic situation where it is, is very much a disease. It's, it's like diabetes or cancer. We have to treat these things. And clinical depression, can you can be perfectly fine as far as not even having something that triggers that. But then you have to deal with that as if it, if it, as if it did. So you go through the therapy and you probably, and, and there's nothing wrong with manufactured chemicals for your brain as far as being able to pull out of that funk. If you can do it, you know, with diet and exercise, fantastic. But if not, those things are available. Uh, but there's a huge difference between the two of those. Hmm. I mean, huge. And a lot of people don't understand that. Um, you know, with mental illnesses, some people find good luck with diets and specifically the keto diet actually has been very good for people with anxiety and with depression and some bipolar, it depends to the severity. Um, but the, I think the biggest issue is that people do tend to treat it as they're embarrassed and they don't want to seek help. Now for me personally, um, from the female perspective, I would be more inclined to go sit and talk with my friend or maybe talk to my doctor about it. I have a lot of trust in my doctor, so I probably would talk about that too with my doctor. I think it was probably May or June of last year, just with the stress and the anxiety from this pandemic, that I found myself in, in pretty depressing you know, I wanted to crawl into bed and not get out of bed and hide under my blankets. And I was doing that for weeks and weeks and I realized it. And then I had to give myself something to do so that I wasn't doing that. But that is still very situational. You know, it, no. I, I didn't require the, I didn't require somebody to step in and say that, you know what I mean? Hmm. Now, I don't know that you can break the line down. I guess the reason why I'm asking the question from the male perspective, it's, it's very taboo to go and see a therapist. It's very taboo to go and talk to a counselor. Well, even from the and military perspective. Very much so. And one of the um, – so I sit on the board of Stillwater Ranch, which they do equine-assisted therapy for vets with PTSD and, yeah. and their families. Great organization. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. And a lot of the premise for it is because of 22 a day. Because – and – a lot of people are saying that that has skyrocketed over the last year. Yeah, big time. <clears throat> and so a, a situation where guys are willing to say, you know what, I do have an issue. I do need to go talk to somebody. It's it, it's thought of as embarrassing. Weak. Weak. So you don't want to talk about it. You yeah. don't want to have those conversations. And it's something that I've... <laughs> I had to change my own mentality on it where in life, especially if you grew up playing sports or yeah. anything along those lines, you have a coach. Yep. A lot of people in business have business coaches. Yep. Have life coaches. You have a coach that's able to give you a different perspective. Yep. Or mentors. Or mentors. There's never any, there's never any uh, hostility towards a coach right but yet you change the name from a coach to a therapist and all of a sudden the stigmas come out 
You know, what I think is really interesting is that the younger generation that we have coming up right behind us, and, and you're almost in that generation. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, you are so young. Um, <laughs> but it, you're almost in that generation. But I think the younger generation coming up behind us actually really sees that. And they identify that it's okay to talk about those things. It's okay to say something, and it's yep. okay to go seek out help for that. I think even male and female. Now, there is a huge disconnect between, like, our generation and our kids, and I think that's what happens with every generation and oh, their yeah. children. But we're having to relearn that. Like, just like you said, you yeah. had to shift your thinking on that. We're having to relearn that because it's there's, nothing, there's no shame in asking for help. Yeah. And you look at – and this is where I, I was wondering if there's a shift between the sexes on it due to the fact that I know at least when I grew up, it was don't cry, don't show emotion, don't do any of this stuff. You know, if you fall down, yeah. get up, brush yourself off and keep on going. And since we've come out of this pandemic, there are an awful lot of people that they are at their wits end. I would agree. And they they don't know how to move forward or who to ask, who to talk to and be yeah. able to actually better themselves. And they still hold on to the stigma of, Oh, if I ask for a therapist or if I talk to my doctor about this, I'm somehow weaker. I'm somehow less of a man or less of a person. Or you should be afraid of that person because maybe they're a little unstable right now. Yeah. You know, it, um, well, and even, to go a step further with the red flag laws that we have. Mm -hmm. If you, if your joy is hunting and all of a sudden you go into your doctor and say, Hey, I haven't been feeling well. I don't know what's going on right now. Now is the doctor going to call and am I going to lose my rifles? Well, I don't know. So that's, that's where it, it goes into a much deeper discussion as far as mental health as a whole. I, I would agree with that. Now the red flag laws, um, I, I disagree with it on some areas. I agree with it on other areas. And the reason I say that is because there are so many instances of people that are purchasing guns that that red flag, flag law should have been enacted. So many instances. Just this last shooting in Boulder. Okay. That guy had multiple occurrences. Yeah. And that was uh, that was a mistake on the force. Uh, he, uh, as far as the. He should have never been allowed to buy the guns. Oh, no, I would agree. Exactly. So if we, I think if we, and I'm, I'm not um, anti-gun at all, at all. I own many guns myself. I enjoy shooting. Um, and, uh, but honestly, if we would just enforce the laws that we already have in place, because the thing is, is we yeah. have really good laws for that reason, but we're not enforcing them. Yeah. And let's, let's uh, take it back to the mental health issue because yeah. I don't want to go off on guns because um, that's not the point of this discussion. Not at all. It's just, um, <clears throat> I brought it up as a fact of it's something else that people are looking at now where if it's something that they do get enjoyment from, if it's something that helps them blow off steam yeah, and now they're afraid and saying, well, shoot, that's my release. That's my outlet that I have right now. If I ask, if I bring this up, if I go see a therapist or go see a counselor, they don't want to self-report. Am I going to lose it? Yeah. And then unfortunately they get to a point where, they step over that line of safety. Yeah. So I do have a suggestion um, as a potential solution to this. And of course it's not a perfect solution, but yeah. I cannot tell you how many people 
knowing what I do, of course. Um, but I cannot tell you how many people that I have intervened with, um, some of my very close dear friends. Uh, and, and so, and real quick, just for our listeners, so you worked on the psych ward. Um, I, we would not, I would not say it, behavioral health. Behavioral health. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, correct. So for five years. For five years. So it's something that you have a deep amount of knowledge about. Firsthand um, from my job and also in my life. I have a very close family member, a very close dear friend of mine that has um, some mental health issues and that have really struggled. Um, the reality of it is, is that if we're listening to each other and if we hear that something is not right, that's when you have to be brave enough to say something. And sometimes it's little cues. So, um, for my friend, it was a vocal change. I know it sounds really weird, but it was just a vocal change. And I went, Oh my God. And I contacted that person the next day and I sat him down and I said, Hey, I just, uh, really think we need to take in. And that person was actually very relieved and had a really good outcome. I would say, um, it's not always the case. It's, it's not always the case, but I've taken, um, my friend's children into crisis centers because they have, are, are having suicidal thoughts. Um, and I think allowing yourself to be a safe place and Alex, just you even talking about this makes you a safe place that somebody could come and talk to you because you understand that this is very much a disease that it's not made up. Yeah. It's not in your head. It's like fibromyalgia, right? It's a very real disease. It is not in people's heads. Rheumatoid arthritis, MA, psoriatic arthritis. Um, the list could go on and on and on. I mean, even thyroid symptoms can cause depression. Yeah. So at that point, it's time to go talk to your doctor. But being a safe place for people to be able to come and talk to you and literally saying, I will answer my phone 24 hours a day, whatever you need, you call me, I am here for you. I've, I've had people call me and say, uh, I just talked to so-and-so and I need you to go to their house right now. And I, that's not even, it's not as my job as a nurse that has a good understanding of behavioral health, but really just that I'm not scared to deal with it. Yeah. I'm not scared to confront it head on. And you know, it's okay. It's like when somebody has a death in the family, right? Somebody has a death in the family and you say, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. Versus making the casserole, dropping it off on the front porch. I don't need to talk to you. I'm just bringing you something. Cause I know you need a little support, right? Yeah. It's doing those little things and really paying attention to the cues. Our kids are a whole different ball game though. Cause our kids, when it is very serious and I, uh, this is such a, a terrible thing to say because it just it, it just hurts my heart that these kids go through this. The reality of it is if somebody is very seriously suicidal, they're probably not going to say something because they don't want you to stop them. Yeah. When you have adults that step in and they make one little comment because they're probably going to say something and it doesn't matter if it seems like a gross overreaction. Saying something and saying, hey, are you okay? And pulling him aside and talking to him, there is nothing wrong with that. And and I think, you know, even going back to the police force, having those social workers and those people who are trained to de-escalate situations can identify whether or not you have a mental health crisis versus a criminal activity going on. And I think it's so important that we continue to fund that and we really, really continue to talk about it. I think, um, is it Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, I'm going to have to look. She did a campaign um, several years ago because I believe her sister has very severe bipolar disorder and she never talked about it. And then she realized not talking about it was making it worse on her sister 
because it was like the family secret. Every family is affected by mental health. It does not care if you are rich or poor, gender, race. It does not care. It happens. Yeah. You know, and back in the day, you just sort of dealt with it and never talked about it. You know, Aunt Susie's in the, in the hospital for the rest of her life because we've got our lobotomy or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I think talking about it and really, really having those conversations is super important. And I... Um, I'm so glad you sit on the board for Stillwater because I have seen what they are capable of. They are, I, I mean, I've met the people that they've helped and yeah. holy cow, are they awesome. I <laughs> love Stillwater. We did yeah. that event for them a couple of years ago. That was yeah. the most fun I've ever had. I, I was so <laughs> excited to be part of that. It's a really cool organization. Yeah. yeah. And the part that I like about them is they also focus on not just the veteran, but also the family. And this is where, and you, you kind of touched on it where, it's not just the single person that's dealing with it. It's, it's not. all the people that are around that person as well that are trying to figure out what is going on, how can we help, or <clears throat> what are the signs, and trying to take a look at it from a different perspective as well. Yeah. Well, you know, what's really interesting, I think a lot of our kids in the last year or so, and I've even seen it in my own children, um, I don't know if we, actually, I know you have, because <laughs> I been witness to it. Um, I think, I think that our our children around us are suffering from a lot of anxiety. Just going back into a school physically was very difficult for a lot of kids because they had sort of put themselves in a little nest and all of us adults are running around and terrified because we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're just trying to survive and buy toilet paper and whatever we're doing. (laughs) Right. But they're seeing that stress on us and kids can read us like books. It's like your dog, you know, Your dog, when you're stressed out, your dog is stressed out with you. Your kids really, they feed off of your energy and their anxiety levels. Of course, ours is, I I don't know about you, mine's been through the roof. And I do not suffer from an anxiety disorder. I've had two panic attacks in the last year. Hmm. I've had three in my entire life. One was in the middle of nursing school, which I think is, (laughs) it's like two in the morning and I sit up and I'm having a failed test dream. Um, And then two in the last year. And I... There wasn't even anything that precipitated it. It was just that overwhelming feeling of, oh, my God, impending doom kind of dread, right? The thing about it is, is that we have got to figure out a way for our kids to get through this because this is so hard on them. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm frustrated with the fact that they are talking about uh, paying for pre-K in all the schools and at the federal level and looking at all of that where is that needed yes it's needed but is it the most important thing that we need to have right now I don't think so I think counselors I I don't know if if you ever actually had a a a good conversation with your high school counselor I did yeah you're one, great of the, <laughs> you're one of the few people that I've ever met. I, yeah. Most of the time, counselors, especially in schools, at least, and this is coming from personal experience, yes. so understand that, never had a good conversation. It was, you know, here's the packets, what do you want to do after school, here's oh, a gosh. couple of things. And it was never a person that I could go and actually talk to if I had any issues. And I was, I was bullied in school, I had a lot of stuff. And I found other outlets and to be able to deal with that. But a counselor was the last person that I was going to go and talk to about it. Well, I'll tell you about my experience, actually. It relates directly to the subject. Okay. I had a friend of mine that, and at the time we didn't know it. We we just didn't even know it existed. I had a friend of mine that was a cutter. And she's hiding her wounds 
And I got very upset with her and I asked what they were and she said, nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, this was like sort of at the emergence of that actually being a thing, if that makes sense. Cause yeah. I don't, I think we were in high school when that kind of started late coming. 90s. Uh, yeah. Late nineties. Yeah. Um, and not to say it didn't exist beforehand, but that it became an actual diagnosis of depression, anxiety, you know, self-harm, those things. Um, and she wasn't actually suicidal, but I, being the daughter of a nurse as well, went to my mom and said, I don't know what to do here. She's going to hurt herself. And I was under the impression that she was going to try to commit suicide. Now, there may have been some other factors. I don't know the answer to that. I did not sit in her therapy sessions. <laughs> I, I yeah. have no idea. But um, I went to my school counselor, and I sat down, and I said, I'm really worried. And my counselor, who I'm actually still very good friends with on Facebook, um, who is one of the kindest, most wonderful people I've ever known, said, I know that you came to me in confidence, but I need to tell you that I need to intervene and that I'm going to have to involve your friend's parents. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. She's never going to talk to me again. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. She never did talk to me again. And that friend of mine stayed at a facility for seven days because it did turn out there was some cutting in there. There were some other very, very high-risk behaviors that she was engaging in. Uh, and she was so mad at me. I have no, I don't even know where she's at. I literally did not, has not uttered a single word to me again, hmm. but she's not dead. Yeah. And I know that actually she's very successful in her very lucrative career and I'm super happy for her and I would love to talk to her and give her a hug, but, um, that's okay. It, it's really too bad. So let's, I guess I want to go a little bit different route on this now as yeah. far as, far as if, what are things that people can do if they are seeing, you know, what signs to actually look for, how to intervene, some of the simple ways that you can intervene and be able to have an open and honest conversation with somebody that you feel that needs some help. Okay. So the signs, <laughs> I know that I, th that's, those, a that's question, unloading so. a lot of stuff here. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked me though, because I think it is important to talk about that, a little bit of hope on the side of yeah, we are going through this. Okay, the first thing is, is um, a lot of people don't know this, uh, but there have been so many corporations, companies, small businesses that are actually starting and have started what's called the Employee Assistance Program. So if you work for a larger company or even if you work for a smaller one, HR from this pandemic has actually started forming these programs to give support to people. Hmm. Okay, You can call and anonymously get basically, I, I know, um, my company is pretty cool. You can get six free sessions with a therapist, which is going to be upwards of three, $400 yeah. and people don't have the money for that, but you can call and you can anonymously access these services. Your company does not, they, they have numbers. They don't know why, and they don't know who, and that, that is a legal thing. That's a HIPAA violation. If that were, that were to come out, but, um, you can seek help in those manners. That's the first thing. If you are suffering from that. Okay. Um, when you ask me about symptoms, that is a very, very huge category. If we're talking about depression, depression can be, you know, not being interested in activities anymore, sleeping more than often or not sleeping, but being completely exhausted. Um, it's not always just feeling sad because it is depression. Isn't just about being sad. It's not this, you know, the little sad face frown it uh it really and, and there can be some physical stuff to that you can have body aches and all kinds of stuff that occurs from like not sleeping or not sleeping well no. um loss of appetite uh sometimes it's hair loss 
because your stress is so high. Um, I would, I'm not even going to unravel all the mental illnesses. No. But thoughts of self-harm. Um, the fear that people don't like you. They're all judging you. If you're, you have constant thoughts that are, you're worthless, that you, um, that person really doesn't like you, even though they're acting like it, irrational thoughts like that. And they creep in insidiously. And the thing that sucks about it is, is that oftentimes it's like, well, you're not depressed. You just have low self-esteem. Well, why not both? Let's just slap them together. So that. I I would have a feeling that a lot of people personally dismiss it or a lot of friends and family members dismiss it. Yeah. Why don't you just feel better? Absolutely. People are very dismissive. It's hard to imagine that the person that you care about, and I have said this so many times before, um, it's not what you want for them. It's not what you want for their trajectory in life. And so it's easier to dismiss it than it is to admit that there's a problem and and just confront it head on. So So how does somebody confront it head on? How do we intervene? How do you intervene? All right. So I've done it several times in the past, um, actually with several of my close friends. And a lot of times um, it's about the language you use. And it's about how and when you do it. So you're not doing it at a large public place. Yeah. You're not doing it while they're intoxicated. You're not doing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. um, you're having that conversation. You sit them down and say, okay, I'm really worried about you. Or you say, I need some help understanding what's going on with you because I'm seeing these things that are scaring me. Not everybody's going to hear that. It may take you five or six times. It may be you talking to somebody that you know they're going to listen to. It could be, um, say, if you have a young kid that you're worried about and you know that their parents are probably not going to respond very well, you go and you talk to that kid yourself. Or, you know, of course, with parent permission, of course. Or you bring in a counselor. Or talking to that kid, if you realize that it's something that's not being addressed, you give them the resources. We have so many resources here. I mean, we really do. And I would say, to an extent, mental health resources are always lacking. But when a kid is in crisis, they step up and they find solutions. So, um, I know one of the things, because I've had a couple of close friends that over this last year, I have been able to, to help. And it was just, again, it's the, the change in tone, the change in voice, or just even how they talk. Yeah. Um, I've noticed. And there's been a couple of my <clears throat> friends that I've called them out and just said, hey, it seems like you need to talk. Let's go grab a beer. Or let's yeah. go grab a cup of coffee. Let's go grab lunch and just let them talk and just say, and, and this is what's worked for me. You know, I had, I, 2020 was a, a very difficult year for myself as well. And I had a friend that did that for me. And it was a shock to me because I didn't even know it myself. Didn't realize it. And it wasn't until he actually said, hey, we're going to go grab lunch. Does, you know, does Tuesday or Wednesday work better for you? Yeah, which one? <laughs> I'm giving you an option, not a choice if not if you go or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's and, a fantastic approach. And uh, it was just, it caught me so off guard that all of a sudden it allowed me to take a step back and say, hey, I, I guess I have been doing some of these things. And I haven't mm-hmm. been realizing what I've been doing. And I need to actually get help or talk to somebody and be able to at least express myself so I didn't 
go further than I wanted it to. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is, is, is just like that. It's calling a spade a spade. You can tiptoe around a subject and say, are you okay, man? How's it going? Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. No, I need to talk to you and we're going to meet on Tuesday. You, yep. something is going on and you're my friend and I care about you. And, and sometimes just hearing that is enough for somebody to go, oh my God, I'm not okay. Yeah. I think, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good approach. And I would say from the male approach, that directness, personally, I would want somebody to be that direct with me. Okay. Let's talk about it. You know, you have to go into that though, Alex, with a grain of salt that they may already know it and they don't want to talk about it. And that's okay. You just reaffirm. I'm right here. If you need anything at all. Yeah. It's a big deal. So as we're coming to a close, one thing that I do want to put out there is just the national suicide prevention uh, lifeline. 800-273-8255. Again, 800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours a day. Um, If you personally or somebody else needs just that person to talk to on the phone, they are there and willing to talk to you. Yeah. So Thanks for doing that, Alex. I appreciate it because I think, uh, you know, the National Suicide Hotline is amazing and they really have people that are going to talk to you and they really want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And it's okay to call and say, I'm not sure, but I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> oh, deep breath. Yeah, huh? Heavy, a, heavy. Uh, it was a, yeah, it was a heavy topic, but it's something that needs to be talked about. It does. And that a lot of people aren't talking about. And that's the next six months as we finish opening back up, getting back yep. to quote unquote normal. Um, I think that this is going to be a bigger impact. On a lot of people. Yeah. I I mean, you said you lost three friends last year. Um, if I made a mental list, I, I mean, I had 15 people that I lost last year, but I can't remember all of them from suicide. Uh, yeah. Not, Of course, not 15 from suicide, but minimum three. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. It hurts, man. And, and for, because you're afraid to seek help or because something happens that can be solved. Yeah. So... So, and now after we had that deep dive, we're, uh, <laughs> let's talk about beer. We're talking about beer. Yeah. And actually, uh, the beer this week is, was a choice that you brought. Yeah. So I brought in, um, true brewing company. It is on Broadway out of Denver. I've never even heard of this. Okay. So it's, first of all, I, it's pronounced true. Yeah. It's pronounced true. It's so it looks like it's spelled T R V E. Yeah, we used to call it Tribe, but that's <laughs> it's true. When it's we actually true. went okay. to we went to their um, tap house okay. in Denver, that it, it's on Broadway. It's like two twenty seven Broadway, Suite one hundred one. Looked that up earlier. Um, but they are actually a super cool brewery. First of all, just looking at these cans, the artwork on their cans is so cool. Well, the fact that it's a matte black, and then uh, so you brought two different ones, and one of them. So this one's the Skull Seeker. Yep. And so it's got a, a skull with a couple of swords through it on a matte black, and this is their blonde ale. Yeah, it's pretty good. It is. What do you think of it? I, I really enjoy it. It's uh, not a not a heavy beer. It's a 5.1. Um, for a blonde ale, I am shocked that the hop that does come th- Comes through. through a little bit, yeah. So. Well, you know how I feel about hops, but I love this beer. <laughs> I, I love this beer because um, it's just like a... It's cool. It's refreshing. It's crisp. The hops do come through a little bit, but in that right balance. So it's not just punch you in the face hops. Yeah. And then the other one, 
is their black uh, black cascade, which uh, again a matte black can, and it has like a ghost woman in front of a a blue square. Uh, but this is their black Indian pale ale, and this is amazing. It is so good. <laughs> and you don't like IPAs. I do not like IPAs. But I, th- this one with the black uh, IPA, it is delicious. I mean, it, I kind of got some notes of coffee in there. Um, just real, there's not, it's, there's not a lot of hops in there. There's enough in there that you get it, but it's not so much that, again, doesn't punch you in the face. Yeah, coffee, coffee notes. A little bit of chocolate notes. Yep, a little bit, just but gentle, not just not an <laughs> overwhelming flavor anywhere specific. It, it's a, a beautiful little. It's it, a good mouthfeel. Yeah, what is it called again? Uh, Black Cascade. Yeah, it's a cascade of flavor. <laughs> that I, I was gonna say it, and then I thought, no, I think that's the name. Um, so this one's a, a six and a half as far as the alcohol content. Um, so a little bit bigger, but not so not so bad that you can't have more than one. <laughs> well, and you can peel the label off for the artwork. <laughs> it's got a little thing for you to look. Check that out. A little zip. Yeah. So you can peel it off for the artwork. Okay, so I do want to talk about their brewery just a little bit oh, as far as do. their location. Uh, if you get a chance and you get up to Denver, I, I just saw that they, they are serving some food. They're opening up a little bit. Uh, they yeah. have some limited space, but they have one of the coolest tap rooms I've ever been in. It's very dark and like gothy and kind of heavy metal is always playing there there's like candles lit and skulls and stuff which is my jam because i think that stuff is so cool (laughs) um and their artwork actually really does play into that but these guys love beer they love beer and they put a product forth that is just really phenomenal that's awesome i'm I'm impressed i'm glad you brought it because i had never heard of true brewing uh, before, so I'm happy to always try new beers. Well, and I'll definitely try to stick to Northern Colorado, but I saw this one and was like, "Yes, <laughs> I gotta get this one. It's so good." As long as it's a Colorado beer, I yeah. think we're good. I think so. <laughs> hey, if you guys have any um, suggestions for beers we should try too, please uh, shoot it to that email. Yeah, the native dot the transplant at gmail dot com again. The native dot the transplant at gmail dot com. And again, so if you have any recommendations for beer, send it our way. We, we'd always love trying new beer. And if you have uh, any topics that you want us to discuss, any any stories that you're hearing that maybe hasn't hit the news yet, definitely reach out to us because we're always looking for what's happening in northern Colorado. Well, and if you'd like to come on the show, let us know why. We'd yep. love to have you on, and, and we'd love to sit and have you have a conversation. Um, we have a great little studio here at uh, in Berthoud, and um, would love to show it off. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, well, thank you for listening, and yeah. it's so good to be back on the air. I'm so happy. <laughs> it, Wednesday nights cannot come soon enough. I'm always excited about Wednesday. It's like, what are we going to talk about today? Yes. <laughs> come in with my stack of notes. So and I'm excited because uh, the coming up, we've got a couple of great guests that are going to be in the coming shows that we're excited about, and uh, we'll, we'll have to put out some teasers here in I the coming so. days as far as who we're going to have on. So uh, thank you again for listening. As always, I'm Alex Johnson, your native. And I'm Jen Bryant, your transplant. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.